Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March the 3rd, and our scripture passage for today is Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. What sobering words. Nothing flowery about that. God said, Joshua, Moses is dead. And he didn't say he passed away. He took his wings of flight and flew away. He said, Moses is dead. And grieving for the child of God, especially those who are in leadership, sometimes has to be short. Moses had walked with God for all of those years, and Joshua had walked with Moses. Now the one that he had learned from was gone. And so God said, you need to arise and go. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. And then he gave the boundaries. It was an amazing thing. The same boundaries he had given to Abraham from the wilderness of this Lebanon as far as the great river, that is the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What a comforting encouragement God gave because certainly Joshua had seen how God was with Moses, how he had helped him, how he had encouraged him, how he had shown himself strong, how that they had defeated all of the people up to this point. Now, just think about it. They had already conquered just in a relatively short time when they began to take the land. They had taken people that were much stronger than they were, great warriors and great warring tribes. They had taken Og. They had taken Sihon. They had taken the entire land from the border with Edom all the way north to what is present-day Syria. They had gone all the way to Mount Herbin, all of the Bashan they had taken, and God had been with them. And so God encouraged him in verse 6 and said, Be strong and of good courage. Now he says this over and over again. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Here he goes again. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And then he said, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, this is an incredible statement here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. And that is many times equated with Scripture memory. Now, I'm going to come back to that because this is far more than Scripture memory. And he said, the reason I want you to meditate in day and night so that you may observe, this is a, a purpose called so that you may observe, so that you may shamar, that you may keep 
to do according to all that is written in it. For then, when, when you keep this, when you obey it, for then you will make your way prosperous. That means you will surge ahead. You will get ahead. And then you will have good success. You will have good insight, understanding. You'll make good decisions. Your success will be evident to all. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Don't be down. Don't get the blahs about things. Don't let the circumstances around you get you down. You be strong. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Look at the last phrase, the very last phrase of the entire chapter. Only be strong and of good courage. How is it that you keep on going when you want to quit? First of all, if you never wanted to quit, you've never been in the battle. If you've never been on the front lines, then you probably said, hey, I'll hang in there. I'll be strong. I don't even like the songs that continually say what we're going to do. Because we need to be talking about what God can do, what God is able, not what we're able to do. And oftentimes that is the emphasis of our worship services. Our praise to God is what we can do. We need to sing about what God can do. I have shared with many worship pastors and praise leaders over the years, there is a great formula that we need to follow in our worship services. I'm going to give it to you. It's nothing that's new with me. It's not anything that's really remarkable. It's just the way that the psalmist writes. This is the way that I have seen the greatest worship services in my own life and ministry. Those that I've worked with, especially one man that we were together longer than anyone else I've been with as far as ministry is concerned and praise and worship. And we learned this in the crucible of suffering, really, and just learning how to go to the scriptures and find out how to praise God and what are the scriptural precepts, principles, and patterns of praise. And in a worship service, what I have encouraged people to do is to, first of all, sing and encourage one another to come and to worship and uh, together, together. So there needs to be a call to worship. This is exactly how we began to read the Scripture. There has to be a call to read the Scriptures. And then we sing about God. That is, we sing about all that He is. We sing about all that He's done, who He is, His great works. We sing about God. That is really how our hearts are stirred, not what we can do. We sing about what He can do, not who we are and how we're going to hold out and last, but really how God is going to grace us and his mercy and his goodness and his attributes, what he has done for us, who he is, all of those things, we sing about God. And then after we have sung about God, after we have encouraged others to come and sing with us, then we sing to God. And we begin to praise him. And I've often told folks that when they are still trying to learn the words, they're still trying to learn the melody, they're still trying to learn the notes, then there's not a whole lot of praising that goes on. We can learn and we can worship some, we can praise some, but it's when you become familiar with something, when you really understand the words and you can sing them without thinking, they become a part of who you are, then that's when praise happens. In other words, when you put the hymn 
handbook down, when you have to stop looking on the screen because you've got your eyes closed and you're looking heavenward and you're seeing within what God wants to do in your life, that's when praise really takes place. And if you don't believe that, you let people struggle through songs they don't know, they're unfamiliar with, and then you let them learn something that's really, that's already a part of them. And now they're not worried about hitting the notes. They know the notes. They're not worried about remembering the words. They know the words. They're not longing to just, you know, get the rhythm and the melody and all. No, 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 no. They're beginning to worship. Why? Because it's a part of who they are. Now, why did I go into all that? Because that's the same way that we read the Word of God. You see, God said, if you're going to make it, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to surge ahead, if you're going to be at the front of the pack, here's the way you've got to do it. Joshua, you're going to have to saturate yourself with the Word of God. That's what meditation is. It's saturating yourself with the Word of God. It's not rote memorizing something over and over and over again just so you can rehearse it back because many times you'll forget that. But you read it, you read it, you read it. I have a method of Scripture saturation that I want to pass on to you. I've seen it change people's lives. You see, if you will read a passage of Scripture, and whether it's a chapter or whatever, I've, I've done this in my own life back in the late, 70s. I was really struggling. I had been to Dallas, Texas. I had gotten in the Word of God, and the Word of God had begun to get in me. I was really struggling because, you know, like when you stir up something, all the dregs that are in the bottom, they come to the top. And God was working on me in every area of my life. And I, my brain, I, as I began to read the Word of God, it stirred up a lot in my heart and mind, and I needed to get clean. And so I said, God, how can I get my mind clean? God took me to a passage in the book of Psalms that says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed, by obeying the Word of God. Well, I didn't even know the Word of God, so I said, God, teach me your Word. And so I started reading Scripture, and I would read Scripture out loud, and I would read the same Scripture. I'd read an entire book. I'd read, for instance, the book of Ephesians. I would just read it, read it, read it. I'd read it over again. I'd read the chapter over again. And then I'd read the book. I'd read the whole book at one setting. Later on that day, I'd read the whole book again. Now, this was while I was going to school. I was taking, uh, at this particular time, I was taking Hebrew. I was taking theology. I'm talking about really in study. I was working, trying to keep a roof over my head. I was single, thank God. But I had a lot of time that I didn't have to be with anyone else, and I just stayed with God. And I would come home from work before I went to work. Uh, After I got out of school, I would just saturate myself with the Word. I would do the lessons that I needed to do, and I'd go to work, come back in. I'd saturate myself with the Word again. And God began to cleanse my mind. Something began to happen. I was going down the road, going out to Greenville one Sunday morning to preach Greenville, Texas, about 50 miles outside of Dallas to the east, and I was uh, headed out the interstate. The Scripture came to my mind, so I started quoting the book of Ephesians because I had just been eating it up. I was just reading it. I was writing it out. I was saying it out loud over and over and over again, reading it, not just saying it as far as memorization. I wasn't trying to memorize scripture. I was trying to just get it inside of me. And what I found out was I was going down the road. And by the time I went from Dallas to Greenville, I had quoted the entire book and I maybe had missed one or two words. I mean, I knew it by heart. I hadn't tried to memorize it. I was just saturated with it. I could see it on the page on my Bible. I knew exactly what the next sentence said. 
And the reason was it became a part of who I was, and I really became saturated with Scripture. So I began to think about that, and so I started reading passages of Scripture over and over again out loud. Even though I knew it, I would still read it out loud and just think it through and work through it. And it was almost like I was just beating a path through the Scriptures. And I did that over the years, and God really began to expand my mind. I realized that then I could start reading other things. I could read a Greek grammar. When I started doing Greek, I could read a Greek grammar, and I could tell you where on the page, what paragraph it was. It was on the second line of the second paragraph, and this is tells me what case this is. And then I started reading an intermediate Greek grammar called Dana and Manny. It was a great tool, still is to this day. I still look at it often. But I could remember the paragraphs. I could remember where I could find what case this was, whether it was a dative, instrumental, locative, whether it was accusative, whether it was genitive of origin, ablative of source, all of these things. They may not mean anything to you, but they did to a young Greek student. And so I began to just watch God expand my mind. And the Lord knew that he needed to clean it up. But while he was cleaning it up, he also began to put a lot of storage space in there that wasn't being used or used for something filthy before, but now God was using it for His glory. And I've kept that practice over the years. Now, when people are having trouble with certain sin or a besetting sin that just they continually repeat, it's like they're addicted to something, then I help them to find passages of Scripture that they can saturate their mind with. And it's amazing that when we saturate our mind with the Word of God, it is like a cleansing agent. It's like a cleansing agent. It cleans our minds. It washes us clean. And the Bible talks about the washing of the water with the Word, and it's a supernatural cleansing. It's a supernatural water that washes us. Our minds, you say, well, that sounds a whole lot like brainwashing. Well, the reason it's called brainwashing is sometimes we need our brains washed. Sometimes we need our minds washed. Sometimes we need to get the filth out, the lies out, the wrong thinking out, what the world, the flesh, and the devil has put in us, and we need to put in the truth of God. Because the truth of God is what sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The way we know the living word is by saturating our hearts and minds with the written word. The way we know the living truth, the Lord Jesus, is when we have saturated our minds with the written truth. You see, the devil's a liar, and we listen to lies all the time. And he tells us all kinds of things that's degradating to our spirit, that's discouraging to us. And it's amazing when you get into the Word of God and you hear the truth, God just sets you free. He gives you peace. You worry, you fret, and then you read the Word of God and you just continue to dwell on it. And God will begin to work in your mind and He'll set you free. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. He'll give you love. He'll give you that fruit of the Spirit. Because when we're filled with the Spirit of God, that won't last until we are completely filled with the Word of God. When you look at Ephesians and Colossians where it talks about letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the same fruit that it bears of the Word of God dwelling within you richly, the Word of Christ. The same thing is true when you are filled with the Spirit of God and under its control. So the Word of God and the Spirit of God go hand in hand together. And so what God was telling Joshua is this, Joshua, saturate yourself with the law. Saturate yourself with the Word of God. Saturate yourself with who I am and what I've said, and you'll have great success. You will be established. You'll surge out ahead. You will walk in the way as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. 
Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.